Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program about trains, planes and automobiles, but mainly automobiles. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at news stories including a proposal for an $800 million green car job scheme in Australia. We have a major problem with understanding our transport needs in the city. We discuss how a metaphor can make a difference. We road test the Holden Cascader, a rose by any other name. It's an Astra convertible. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including a woman that was put in a psych ward because she drove a BMW. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now let's get the program going. First, the news. The Northern Territory Government has provided about $10,000 of in-kind assistance to a luxury car company to launch its latest model on a section of Central Australian Highway. The launch of Bentley's Continental GT Speed Coupe on an open speed stretch of the Stewart Highway near Alice Springs comes as a prominent trauma surgeon urged a rethink on the move back to deregulated limits on Northern Territory roads. Bentley filmed its new speed coupe travelling at around 330 kilometres per hour ahead of the official launch in the UK. A spokesman for Bentley said that there are only three roads in the world that are not restricted. One is the Autobahn in Germany, the other is the Isle of Man, and then you have the Stuart Highway in Australia. After years of unregulated speeds on outback roads, a ceiling of 130 kilometres per hour was introduced by the Labor government in 2007, with a limit of 110 kilometres per hour on other rural roads. In 2012, the country Liberals removed speed limits on a 204-kilometre stretch of the Stuart Highway between Alice Springs and Barrow Creek. Bentley brought out journalists from China and Germany, as well as Forbes magazine, to witness the car being driven by veteran Australian Bathurst champion John Bow. Beijing journalist Wang Kun said he believed the outback speed driving experience would appeal to people in China, the luxury car's fastest growing market. China has halved sales tax on small cars to revive growth in the world's biggest automobile market, a move likely to provide a limited boost to car makers, including Volkswagen, the company embroiled in a global diesel emissions scandal. The cut in sales tax on cars with less than 1.6 litre engines takes effect on October the 1st and lasts through to the end of 2016. Automobiles in this segment account for nearly 70% of total sales in China. Volkswagen makes five of the ten best-selling models in the category, although overall sales in China for the German automaker have turned soft this year, requiring the company to counter with generous incentives. South Australia's automotive industry would receive part of a green-tinged $800 million funding package if a former Adelaide City Councillor has his way. New South Australian Green Senator Robert Sims will propose a green car transformation scheme to directly subsidise environmentally friendly automotive industries when the South Australian Senate returns next month. 
The proposal would be similar to Kevin Rudd's $1.3 billion Green Car Innovation Fund, which was scrapped in 2011. The subsidies would be taken from unspent reserves within the Automotive Transformation Scheme, money that wasn't spent because of the slowdown in Holden's car manufacturing operations, which are planned to close in 2017. A system to automatically pay compensation to rail passengers hit by delays is set to be introduced in the UK. Virgin train passengers will receive money directly on their payment cards within three days if their journey is delayed by half an hour or more. The scheme is available to people who buy advance tickets through the operator's website or mobile app. The government has called for the system to be rolled out nationwide. Virgin estimates it will pay out nearly £3 million under the new scheme. The ACT government has announced changes to the Action Buses advertising policy to restrict the advertising of junk food, alcohol, gambling, fossil fuels and weapons. The ACT government will restrict what products can be advertised on its fleet of buses to make sure messages promoted are in line with its objectives and community values. Transport Reform Minister Shane Rattenbury noted schoolchildren made up a significant portion of bus passengers in the ACT and said restrictions on junk food, alcohol and gambling ads in particular would bring buses in line with other existing government regulations. And finally, for the start of Finland's 2015 hunting season, one of Northern Europe's leading providers of real-time traffic information, Mediamobile, has developed a new active elk warning system as part of its V-Traffic service. Vehicle collisions with animals are a major road safety issue in Northern Europe. In 2013, the Finnish Transport Safety Agency recorded over 1,500 road accidents involving elks, representing a total cost of around $83 million. With an average male elk weighing over 300 kilograms, they pose a considerable threat to the safety of vehicle occupants. By analysing wild animal movement patterns and behaviour, the V-Traffic service indicates precisely when and where the risk of road user encounters with elks or other large animals is highest. That has been the news. I've just written a piece uh, that's got onto the Sydney University website. I'm talking about a common image where we use to symbolise the transport function of our cities. But I think it misrepresents what is really happening. Now, it's buried in popular use, but if we challenge it, we might broaden the solutions we're considering and get real transport problems solved. It's to do with the metaphor. We talk about the CBD as the heart of the city. Major transport corridors are called arteries, arterial roads. Uh, Now, in the body, the heart is the centre of all activity. Blood flows every bit of it to and from the heart. Now, the public debate we have about transport reflects this. A large amount of the discussion is about getting to and from the CBD, the heart of the city. Uh, So... um, I think that metaphor is wrong and I've got another metaphor to talk about it. But our image is important. 
what might this mean? Who better to talk to this than our good friend from practicalmotoring.com.au, Paul Morell, who joins us on the line now. Paul, forgive my rather long introduction, but there we are. Quite all right, David. Quite all right. The images are important, aren't they, for what we think uh, and how we, if we use a metaphor, it might help us understand, but it also might oversimplify. It's very true. Metaphors do help us understand what's going on, but by definition, they are they're metaphors. They're not accurate in their in their description of what we're talking about. And I think mm. your example of the human body is a perfect example. Um, mm. Traffic is not like a blood flow, um, and cities are not like a human body. But it does make it simpler to understand. The the other issue about blood is we tend to think of it all being the same, whereas the transport task has is not just journey to work. In fact, some research suggests that 60% of the peak hour traffic, peak period traffic, is not journey to work. It's a whole pile of other things. Journey to school, journey for work, which is a little different, um, journey to shops and, and a whole range of things. So, um, you know, just to think of it all of the same, all going to the heart, is really quite wrong. This probably came, David, from from the early days of transport when when a lot more traffic did go in and out of the city. Uh, and now that's caused its own problems in the sense of if you don't want to go into the city, quite often we find we have to go through the city to get to where we want or take a rather large looping detour around the city, um, mm. neither of which is ideal. Yeah, that looping around is a good point. In Sydney, uh, cross-regional buses have been booming in in patronage. Once they put things not uh, doing an, uh, an arterial in and out, another metaphor, of course, is the hub of the city, mm-hmm. where all the spokes on the wheel go to the hub, but rather doing the bit around the edge, like the wheel itself, uh, a lot of people want to do that, need to do that, and uh, want transport systems to serve that. There are some very strange things happen. I mean, we're talking psychology and we're talking the human mind, so we know strange things happen. I did a, a study a number of years ago now for a major retailer and they were looking at where they wanted to site their major stores and when we did traffic studies for that what we found was that people tend to even if they're not going into town still go towards town in other words if yes. you had a if you had a store let's just say for the sake of argument eight kilometers away from town in the opposite direction from town and a store eight kilometers towards town people for some reason would go towards town uh, quite, quite a surprising sort of needless thing. People just tend to, tr- to travel towards a, a sit- well, as you say, a hub. Um, the other thing we found was that people, even when they're driving, people are affected by, by natural barriers. Um, now, we all know that if you're driving on a road and there's a, you cross a river, you'll be on a bridge. So it's quite, it doesn't make any difference at all. But psychologically, there's a barrier and people tend to not to cross those barriers. So rivers, um, railway lines, anything that was a, seen as a natural barrier tended to tended to sort of disrupt the way people were going to travel. Yeah, there is certainly an inbound and outbound. It's certainly not all going to the CBD, but it does happen. I love that point you make because what we haven't made use of in our transport system is the capacity we have in the off-peak direction. So if, if I worked in the inner city, I could get plenty of train seats, bus seats or whatever to go out to an area to go to a job if, it's, if, if the public transport serves my need. And, and, and it's a huge wasted capacity. Of course it is. But it's like we had when, when the, for example, the Sydney Olympics were on. 
all the planes coming into Sydney were packed with people and all the planes going out of Sydney were virtually empty. We have exactly the same situation with public transport on a day-to-day basis. Paul, uh, thank you very much uh, for taking a, perhaps a, an unusual subject, but uh, certainly one I appreciate your broad experience and thinking. Thank you, David. That's uh, Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au. And you can hear a longer interview with Paul about the subject of metaphors where I talk about the metaphor that might be more appropriate for our cities. We travel around more like fish in the ocean. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet, so said our mate Bill Shakespeare in Romeo and Juliet. Now, in the car industry, if you give a car another name, you do so so that it will not only smell as sweet, but will smell much sweeter, you hope, or in industry terms, it will sell more. Now, here we have the Holden Cascader. A small convertible, it sells for about $42,000 plus on roads in Australia. It is really a Holden Astra, sort of, with a convertible roof. Does it deserve a different name? Errol Smith and I have been driving it, and Errol joins us on the line now to give us his opinion. Actually, Errol, it is physically, on the outside of it, both in dimensions and that, a little different. Mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's technically not identical to an Astra. Mm. But you wouldn't know because we drove the we, we had the GTC and the VXR, and then we got in this, and it's like, oh, it's an Astra. <laughs> dash, so, dash, and everything uh, is all the same. But yeah. it's funny that you build a, a car like that. They say none of the outside panels are the same. You know, different mud guards, slightly different. Uh, if you're going to make them different, why not make them significantly different? Mm, yeah, yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't tell. I mean, they've obviously you're going to have to change a few panels because you've got a drop top roof and all that stuff. Um, mm. But um, yeah, this is essentially a Holden Astra D- GTC Cabriolet. Now that's not the hot one, is it? We had the that's, well, the, that's the that's the, the warmish one. Hmm. So uh, it's a one point one point six turbo engine, but it's more of mm. a, a, a low boost turbo than a you know in your face one like the VXR ones. Mm. Um, so, 120, uh, 120, how many kilowatts? Uh, 126 uh, kilowatts. And um, um, when I can scroll to the right page, 260 newton meters of, of torque, if you like, all, right. those, all those numbers. Um, it's essentially, it, like I said, it's essentially the GTC. Um, it's like a GTC sedan with a, with a soft top. And I, I, think that's, mm. that's, I think it's an interesting choice that they've gone for a soft top as opposed to the hard top convertible which has been the you know, it's cloth the, the thing of the past you know decade or so and i think it actually works better because often the hard top ones look a bit clunky with this with the top up um whereas i think this looks good with the top up or down okay it's cloth as we were saying easy mm. to put up and down yeah um it's it, it's all it's completely electric 
Um, they claim it can work at up to 50 k's an hour, although it didn't for me. I don't know why, but that's probably just operator error. Um, but uh, it's Technology a is usually much better for you than it is for me, Errol. You know it rejects <laughs> me outright. No, so, but does it keep the noise out? Because that's one thing with cloth. It can sometimes be a bit noisy inside. Yeah, I, I found it. Um, I found it did a pretty good job of that. It's a triple layer cloth roof, uh, and the back window seems to be glass with the demister and the and the rest. So um, it was a pretty good, pretty good roof in the in the scheme of things. Uh, compared the other to thing some is the about others we've had. Mm, the other the other thing about convertibles is sometimes they can get a bit cold. One of the the nice times to drive them is at night. Now I think you came back in Sydney over the Harbour Bridge after an evening out. Um, I did that a little while many years ago in a in a Saab. It was just a lovely way to do it. Um, you, you enjoyed that, but oh, it's got things that might keep you warm, like heat seaters. Heat seaters. Yeah, well, it's got seat heaters. Not only does it have heated seats. It's got air-conditioned seats, so there's a fan in the seat that you can turn on, so that will cool the seat in summer, um, it, and it has an electric, uh, electrically heated steering wheel. Uh, that's a bit decadent. Uh, m maybe a cooled steering wheel might be more the point, but I'm not sure that I've ever got into a car and felt uncomfortable because the steering wheel was so cold. Yeah, well, th this particular uh, model is made in Poland, and I found um, the heated seats, even on low, got really warm, like uncomfortably okay. warm, even on a cool night um, mm. uh, in Sydney. And um, I think they're designed, they've designed all these things for Polish weather, <laughs> basically. <laughs> have to remember, this is, this is Europe. Car after all, so I think if if it's snowing outside and you still want to want to have the top down, you can still be comfortable. Gerald, wonderful! Uh, thank you for your details and your thoroughness and your review of the Holden Astra. No worries, David. And that's Errol Smith, and we we're talking about well, not the Holden Astra; it's actually the Holden Cascader, which is the convertible form of the Astra, but of course with a new name. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. And finally, for the program, we have some quirky news. And joining us again, hasn't been with us for a little while, but it's good to have him back, Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. Hey, David. You have a story for us. Certainly, David. Camilla Brock um, lives in New York City, and uh, in New York, the police have a bit of a policing problem, and it's, uh, there's some suggestion that it could be related to race. And uh, Camilla Brock's story is, um, certainly suggests this. She's, uh, she's a 32-year-old banker. And uh, she was driving her BMW um, in, the, in the street one evening uh, through Harlem, uh, music playing loudly. She was having a good time. She stopped at a set of traffic lights and was sort of bopping and dancing inside the car. A police officer from New York Police Department approached her, said, asked her why she was driving without her hands on the steering wheel. Uh, she said, I'm dancing, I'm at a light. Uh, he asked her to get out of the car. And then, for some reason, she ended up... Um, being released without charge, but ended up in a mental institution when she went back the next day to pick up her car, her BMW, from the impound lot. Um, she was uh, handcuffed, 
put into an ambulance, taken to the Harlem Hospital, uh, where she was uh, injected with sedatives and uh, forced to take doses of lithium. So the, the, the mental hospital believed that she was um, insane and they kept her there for eight days waiting for her to deny three things. The first was that she owned a BMW, the second that she was a professional banker, and the third was that President Barack Obama followed her on Twitter. Strangely, all of these things were true. Um, and the, the amazing part of the story, or the, I guess not amazing, but really the key that unlocks all this, is that she is a black woman. And that if mm. this had happened to a white woman owning a BMW, then nothing like this would have been likely to happen. To add an insult to industry, <laughs> insult to injury, David, uh, when she was finally released from the hospital after the eight-day stay, they gave her a $13,000 medical bill. If, if she was a white person, some people in America would say following uh, being followed by Obama wouldn't happen anyway. <laughs> you know. That's true. N- nothing against Obama. I have a great deal of respect for the man. She, she but, wouldn't uh, be a, a Republican. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, put her in jail for being a Democrat. Whole pro- profiling thing. A mate of mine when he was young was on pea plates and he had a red sports car. He was pulled over time and time again. Uh, we're having, you know, done nothing necessarily wrong. And even, you know, my son driving a Mercedes uh, test car one time was abused. You know, people, you know, just, just totally stereotype people. Mm. Gail was in a test Jaguar one time and got abused in the, in the shopping centre. It's, But you know what? It's the classic thing of making a mistake in a dealership if you just dismiss someone as being too scruffy looking to buy one of your cars. The classic example of that was Janice Joplin. Apparently she walked into, I think it was a, so the story goes, a Aston Martin dealership and said, and hung around a bit looking rather scruffy and what have you. None of the traditional people, uh, uh, salespeople in the dealership approached her, but a young guy did and said, what do you, can I help you? She said, I want one of those. He says, oh, it's a bit expensive, you know, 70,000 pounds or what have you. She pulled out a roll of notes and paid for one. Well, she was a drug dealer, was she? (laughs) (laughs) But this whole profiling, initially when I read the story, I wondered whether it was just because they owned a BMW generally. But uh, the notion, of course, that she was black and and that they made great judgments about it is not good at all, is it? It's a shocker. Now, Brian, you found a story, and which I love, that a dog alone in a pickup truck had to be rescued after it caused the truck to go into a lake. It was in Ellsworth in the United States, near Branch Lake. The dog got into a bit of a fight. It was a Yorkshire Terrier. The owner put it in the car while he talked to the other owner of the other dog about what had happened, and the dog apparently let the car roll into the water. Was the dog angry at the owner, or was he trying to run over the other dog, do you think? Cry for right. help, I think, David. There was this an encounter with another dog. The Yorkshire Terrier is uh, well known for being uh, an insecure dog. I think it may have been pushed over the edge. The Yorkshire dog, it's a breed. It was bred in the 19th century to catch rats in clothing mills. But now, of course, it's got a sort of schizophrenic personality because people put bows on them and blow wave their hair. Is it a terrier or is it a toy? Yeah, I that's, think. that's what's happened, David. The deep depression. You know, it's seen the lake. It's either a cry for help, a, a, like a staged, uh, staged incident, or it was trying to take its own life. Maybe it made an advance on the other dog, and it was being, uh, you know, had up for harassment. 
I want to know more about the backstory because uh, the story talks about an encounter. The dog had an encounter with another dog and was then placed in the car. So it may have been more than a fight. It could have been a little bit uncomfortable and humiliating. Could have been some, some even some backstory between the dogs. Ten foot of water. Uh, it's lucky the dog didn't drown. Yes, yeah, someone dived in and saved the dog and a towing oh, company okay. later, later pulled the truck out. I wonder if this is really a case of behaviour management for the owner or for the dog. Certainly taught the owner a lesson, an expensive mm. lesson. I've got to admire the dog. If it was a manual, he would have had to put his foot in a clutch. If it was an automatic, he would have had to press the button on the side of the gear lever. Well, he, yes, just... he's, he's bumped it into gear, it says here. I, I guess the he may have bumped it out of gear into neutral. Uh, but mm. you're right. He, um, they're, a, they're a tenacious breed. They're you know, well-known for their intelligence. Insecure, of course, as we said, but um, but you know to be able to uh, you know put the car into gear, you know, operate the clutch, wind the window up, that sort of stuff. I I read one review of Terriers saying they are mentally sound and emotionally secure. Well, clearly you've set the case the other way. They're not show to sl- uh, they're not slow to uh, be soft, submissive temperaments. Oh, I think this is a case, David. I think they should let the dog on the couch now to really talk this through. Oh, you know what I blame? I blame electronic handbrakes. Oh, okay. Okay. See, if it, it, it was probably an electronic handbrake, which is just a flick of a switch to let it off, whereas if it had been one where you had to pull a lever, it would have been much harder I blame, to pull it up. And I blame society, David, and uh, the lax standards in um, uh, obedience schools. Clearly a problem. Yeah. Clearly a problem. Brian, you have a story. David, it's a sweet little story. It comes from Ljubljana in Slovenia. And uh, apparently they have a thing there called the Mini Theater, which is um, a tailgate puppet show. Now, I'm not sure how I'd respond to this, but the idea is if you're stuck in a, a traffic jam, well, the vehicle in front of you may just lift its rear hatch and uh, put on a puppet show in the back of the vehicle. I guess the audience of one or two other people is stuck with this puppet show no matter what happens. Uh, I don't know if it's a sort of Punch and Judy arrangement, but it's it's there to try and help people through a situation which they're not likely to be very amused being caught in traffic. I just wonder, David, whether, um, you know, if you're already in a tense situation, whether, you know, having to endure a puppet show <laughs> would, would really help. Brian, some serious and not-so-serious issues. I always appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You're welcome, David. And we continue that discussion with Brian about tailgate puppet theatre. We also talk about a bicycle beating a helicopter through Manhattan and how car companies may be fudging the emission standards with things other than just what Volkswagen tried. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, David Campbell, Paul Morell, Brian Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 